Hi, this is Bob Bierman. In just a moment, we're going to begin our regular Truth to Ponder program. But I want to let you know today's program is going to be a little bit different than most, and it's some things you really need to hear. So I hope you will stay tuned. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Dealing every day with this sin-distorted world and doing this radio program, it can take its toll. The other night was very sleepless, and I woke up several times, and out of nowhere, this very depressing song from, from 1969 came to my mind, and, and it dawned on me. This song is really telling us what our world is like today. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep... I know what you must be saying to yourselves. If that's the way she feels about it, why doesn't she just end it all? Oh no, not me. I'm not ready for that final disappointment Cause I know Just as well as I'm standing here talking to you That when that final moment comes And I'm breathing my last breath I'll be saying to myself Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is Break out the booze and have a ball If that's all there is Oh Lord God, Heavenly Father, what message needs to be shared in such a time? As this. As I said, I woke up the other night thinking about this current condition of the world. The fear and the division, like nothing I have ever seen before in my life. 25 years ago, you would think that politics gave us some division, but not violent division. And then the pandemic came along. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the nuts and bolts of the pandemic. We do that plenty on this program. But the division that this pandemic is causing between those that believe that we can solve it with these new vaccines, that believe that face mask work and social distancing is just a time-honored tradition, none of which are true, I read postings all the time. People send me a lot of material and I follow some friends. And one of my friends in Australia was sharing something about what is occurring down there with the literally people in an uprising against their government because of some of the draconian and literally insane requirements. We are getting on to the point of 20 months into this and nobody seems to have a clue. We've gone from 15 days to flatten the curve. We've gone from keep six feet apart in a store 
wear a face mask, get a vaccine, and we're no better off today than we were in April of 2020. In fact, in fact, the numbers say we are worse off today. And people are starting to get desperate. They're beginning to become divided and violent against each other. There are those that are scared to death of those that will not take this vaccine because it's unproven. And they believe firmly that it's a pandemic. As Joe Biden said, a pandemic of the unvaccinated, but you can't prove that. And people are yelling and screaming and getting violent between who has the vaccine and who doesn't. I think it was about a week ago, President Joe Biden had a press conference talking about what needs to be done, how everybody needs a vaccination. The same old song and dance from the same man who, along with his vice president nominee at the time, made it very clear in October of 2020, they would never take this vaccine. They could never trust this vaccine. They believed it was a fraud. And now they're all for it. And they're all for boosters. Boosters without end. Where does it end? State of New York. I was born in New York. Lived there for the first 18 years of my life. It has gone from trying to be reasonable to totally insane. Two-year-olds wearing face masks at daycare centers. We don't care about the psychological damage we're going to do to these kids. It's a bunch of adults living in abject fear. Is that all there is? This is all I've got is this life. I keep thinking about that song. Is that all there is? It explains a lot. The vast majority of people in the United States now no longer attend any kind of a church or center of worship. Doesn't matter if you're talking Christianity, Protestant, Catholic, it doesn't make any difference. A mosque or a synagogue doesn't make any difference. The vast majority of people today in the United States are no longer believers in any kind of faith or religion. My wife, in wisdom, reminds me often, the church will ultimately be nothing more than a remnant True believers, in my opinion, as I look back over history now and some of the characters in history today, it's becoming increasingly obvious that true believers were always in the minority. A regular listener to this program reminded me in an email of something that many of us in ministry know quite well. The words you find in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, allow me a little bit of indulgence here, so to speak. I'd like to read this to you from the New American Standard. I know a lot of people prefer the King James. But when you look at the King James and you look at this, 
I, I think for those that do not know Scripture, that do not thoroughly understand what the Bible has to say, this version makes it emphatically clear. So listen carefully. And like I say, for those who prefer the King James, just realize that I know it well. I can almost recite it from memory from King James, but I think for many listeners today, this will help. Here's what St. Paul writes to young Timothy. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. King James uses the term perilous. Verse 2, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Let's stop right there for just a moment and put this into perspective. People are lovers of themselves, no doubt about it. We see it in what I call the selfie generation. People having to take pictures of themselves and share it on social media. They're in love with themselves. Boastful goes without saying arrogant. In many places in the United States, arrogance is considered a virtue. Slanderers. That's the news media today. They'll slander anybody for a cause. Lying to the mainstream media is what they do best. Telling the truth is something that has become difficult for them to do. Disobedient to parents. Well, that's something that has gone on for generations. Let's be honest. Children can be disobedient to parents. But there's a big difference today. And we kind of forget this. See, back when I was a youngster, I'll turn 67 next month. When I was a youngster, was I disobedient to my parents? There were many times that I were, but I never got away with it. You, you follow? I, I, it's a natural rebellion. We're going to be disobedient to parents. But now the parents frankly don't care. The parents do not discipline. The parents try to use psychology. They try to use what the world thinks. Medications. Medicate the child to be better behaved. Instead of bringing in discipline and raising them in the fear of an admonition of the Lord, these parents today allow their children to be disobedient to them. Children have their own cell phones. They have their own social media. They have their own way of communicating. And the parents have no interaction into their child's life like they used to. In other words, we have permitted disobedience to parents. And many just accept it as what it is. Ungrateful. Wow, a lot of that today. I read story after story. These are true stories of kids that expect something for their birthday or Christmas. And they don't get it. They don't get what they want, so they pitch a fit. That's not what I wanted. They're not grateful. Unholy. That's an easy one. Parents are no longer raising their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Period. When there is nothing that gives them a standard, they're going to fall into the worst things that they can 
be involved with from this world. Unloving. Sex no longer has anything to do with love. It's about self-gratification to many young people today. The word love has been distorted and destroyed. Love is nothing but feelings. And love goes deeply beyond feelings. Feelings are only at the surface of what true love is. True love is deeper. It's like an iceberg. You only see a small amount. Those are the feelings. It's the depth of love that we have lost. Because we only love ourselves. We have no way to love somebody else. Then we have irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control. Look at social media, full of gossip, talking bad about other people. A lot of anonymous comments are made all the time about people, oftentimes not true. Irreconcilable. They refuse to reconcile themselves one to another and live in the fear and admonition of the Lord. No, they're they're not going to give up. Their wrongly held beliefs, their hatred, they're not going to do it. Without self-control, listen to the language you hear today on the streets of any medium-sized city. Forget a big one, they're even worse. Nobody has self-control, even in a restaurant, talking to somebody, loud voices, profanity, foul language, disgusting And they frankly don't care. And they'll let you know they don't care. No self-control. They're brutal. They'll get into fights. They'll steal. They hate. They're haters of good. This is verse 3. They are haters of all things that are good. One thing that has always fascinated me about atheists, especially atheists today, they go out of their way to attack Christians and pick a fight. They won't live peaceably with their own belief. They feel strongly they must interfere and use the power of the state for things they deem they don't like. They're treacherous, they're reckless, they're conceited. We see a lot of that. Treacherous, reckless, conceited. Treacherous is easy. Look at the elections. There's been voter fraud. You may disagree, but I believe there was. I believe people will do anything to get what they want from somebody else. And they will do it totally, totally without any conscience whatsoever. Reckless and conceited. Ever driven on an interstate highway? And you're going down the highway at or maybe even a hair above the speed limit? Many, many times when my wife and I make the trip between Georgia and our home in Florida and back or whichever direction we're going, there's always a really scary number of cars that have decided that they can go 90 miles an hour. I'm not kidding. 90 miles an hour. Where my wife and I live in Florida. 
the street on which our house is located. A lot of new subdivisions have been built, so there's more traffic on that road. And the 35-mile-an-hour speed limit, oftentimes there are people going 60 miles an hour because the road is straight and long in a residential neighborhood with children. They will blow through stop signs because, see, they have somewhere they need to go. Their conceitedness makes them reckless and treacherous. I mean, they are a danger to other people. And they are so blinded in their own vanity. They they don't believe that they're ever going to have an accident. And then they're mad at the police if they ever get stopped for a ticket and they scream bloody murder. My insurance is going to go up. But one mishap at 60 miles an hour, one child on a bicycle that loses control in a driveway, one pet that gets out the front door being killed by these people that can't stop their car. And it, it all comes back to one thing. And this describes more than anything else the biggest problem we have in the entire Western world today that used to call themselves Christians. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They curse God. They mock God. They don't believe in God. They make fun of him. They take his name in vain. They look at Christians and say, oh, you, you, you and your sky fairy. And then you have those Verse 5, this is where probably most of the mainline Protestant churches in the United States now find themselves, and I don't mind calling them out. Yes, the Episcopal Church in the United States, the Anglican Church in Canada or England, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, many of the congregations of the United Methodist Church, not all, and the same with Pacusa, the Presbyterian Church, USA, the Disciples of Christ, I can think of others too, even in some parts of the Southern Baptist Convention, we see it. They have decided to reinterpret Scripture for their own self-pleasure. They have decided what God calls sin. They're going to vote against God and say, God, you know, you said this is a sin, but we don't think it should be anymore. We're loving and fully accepting. Come into our place and be who you are. There's no repentance taught except about social matters and societal evolution. In other words, what verse 5 says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And St. Paul tells Timothy, avoid such people as these. Now that one has been a problem for me over the years. Back in my early ministry, I was so busy trying to be with those people to lead them to the Lord. And then I I realized it was taking away from my time to building the church for those that God had already called and were looking for leadership 
to build their church. You can waste your time on people that have a form of godliness. They they know the truth. They've denied it. They've thrown it away. They've cursed God. They've rejected his word. So what does St. Paul say to Timothy? Avoid such people as these. When Jesus sent out his disciples, I remember this. Right at the very beginning of his ministry, he called together a lot of followers And he sent out, it's hard to tell from the translations, either 70 or 72 people, two by two. In other words, not sure if it's 35 or 36 groups that went out. Depends on which chapter you're reading and how it was interpreted from the original languages. But let's just put it this way. Roughly 70 people were sent out in pairs. And they were told, wherever wherever you sense the power and the spirit, stay with them, be with them, share with them. And wherever that spirit tells you to leave, kick off the dust off your shoes and move on. In other words, don't waste any time. There are those, there are those that are so into their sin that even if they heard the truth, even if somebody rose from the dead, they would never believe. And he says in verse 6, 2 Timothy chapter 3, For among them are those who slip into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses. A ferocious sexual appetite that can never be quenched for many. There are many people trying to think there's some basketball stars that talked about the thousands of women they had sex with over the years. And people see them as superstars and they give themselves to these men. These women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses. And then St. Paul reminds us, always learning. Think about our universities today. Think about our high schools today. Think of our entire educational system, at least public education today. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now think about that. Ever learning. They call themselves wise, full of wisdom. Well, you know something? You can have a head full of all kinds of knowledge. If you don't have wisdom, you don't even know how to apply the knowledge you have gained. And wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. We've lost that. I was reading this morning, like I said, some just comments made in social media. People steer me toward and they want me to see, to share what do I think? What is my take? And you have these people that that want all the unvaccinated to die because they are so afraid of losing this earthly life. One person, I think I mentioned this before on a program a while back, I saw where one person put out one of these little memes, as they call it, going, you know, Jesus would wear a face mask 
and social distance. And this person came out of one of those very, shall we say, inclusive, that's the word today, churches. All sin is celebrated, not we don't ask for repentance. We just celebrate our sins when we come here. In other words, we're doing what the Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid those kind of people. And they're the ones that say, Jesus would wear a face mask and Jesus would social distance. I got news for you. Jesus laid his hands upon lepers. Lepers in the day of Jesus were more feared than the unvaccinated or feared by the extreme left today. Because people believe that merely touching a leper, you'll be infected, and a good chance you could be. And then your flesh will rot and you will die. But Jesus laid his hands upon lepers. He laid his hands on the sick. He touched those that were dead and rose them to life. There are men who oppose the truth. Verse 8. Just as Janus and Jamboree oppose Moses, so are these men who oppose the truth. And we see what St. Paul reminds us over and over again in other parts of the New Testament. These are men of a depraved mind, worthless in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be obvious to all, as it was also to Janus and Jambres. We are living in this very unusual time where so many things are beginning to come together. People often ask me, Bob, is this going to be the great tribulation? Is this going to be the mark of the beast? Is this going to be the end? Do I have something to fear? My answer is, number one, I don't know if this is the great tribulation. I do know we are headed rapidly into a period of intense tribulation. That much I can be certain. No doubt in my mind. More people will fall away from the faith. The great falling, falling away is what the Bible says, a great falling away. And many that are so so impressed by their own sin, many that are so content in living in their sin but fearing the loss of this life will do anything to hold on to this life. True Christians are going to be hated. We are coming into a very, very depraved time. One of the issues I have with many Christians that really are not versed in the Scripture, we're told to read and learn and digest, and we don't do it as much as we should. I've even Look, there are even times that I get so called into this radio program, I neglect the time that I need to be refreshed in God's Word. Once again, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
And St. Paul is talking about the persecutions that he endured and how the Lord rescued him every time. Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's the promise from the scripture. You want to live a life devoted to Christ? Be ready to be persecuted. Face it, the United States for over two centuries had it pretty good. Being a Christian didn't cost you much of anything. And most people thought the the cost of being a Christian was having to give up an hour on a Sunday and some shekels in, in the offering plate. That was the extent of their sacrifice to the faith. Period. Today... Children are not raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The vast majority of children today know nothing about Jesus Christ, have never been introduced to the scriptures. They've never been raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They're raised in the fear and admonition of their cell phone. Do you understand what I'm trying to say in this first segment here of the program? We are dealing with what St. Paul reminds us of in the book of Romans. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And see, those that do not have Christ, those that have no hope beyond this life, live in the fear of the virus. And those that don't live in the virus's fear, you want the gospel truth? Some of the comments that I read from the late show TV host and others, they make fun of Christians. They have no problem doing that. And their audiences agree and they laugh and they enjoy it. They fit that song from Peggy Lee. They break out the booze and they have a good time. They laugh. Yet so much of their life, when they hit painful times, they have nothing, nothing to get them through. And they wait for their final disappointment. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. There is more to say. We'll do that on the other side of the break. This is Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I want to remind you of our website if you want to find out more about this program and even keep it on the air. It is truth2ponder.com. Truth2ponder.com. The website is still in the process of a major rebuild, so be patient. A couple of more pages to add, a few things to repair. But you can find out more about the program at the website truth2ponder.com We are still in Georgia for two more weeks and then we go to our home in Florida Don't worry if the mail should get caught in between it will be forwarded and checked from here to make sure it gets to us in Florida and I will give you the Florida address beginning in about 10 days If you believe in the ministry would you consider keeping it on radio? Every gift, large and small, made out to Ancient Word Radio really does help. 
And our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, our secure box, in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. How would you like to go camping with God? Shalom Lechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on getting a special free gift you're going to love. Now, Chag Sukkot was the original name of the Hebrew celebration that means the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Dwellings or Booths. This is because during the feast, every worshiper lived in a sukkah or a booth or a hut under the skies of Jerusalem. They all camped out. Jerusalem was covered with campers. The strange thing was they were home. They were in the promised land. You don't camp out when you're home. But God wanted them to remember their days before they all settled down to live in the promised land. The days when they journeyed through the wilderness in tents. And when he also journeyed, when God camped out with them. This is a profound truth here. You see, the promised land speaks of heaven. The wilderness speaks of this present life for a believer. So the children of God must always remember that the wilderness is not the place to build houses. We're not here to settle down. We're here to camp out because this is not our home. This is our journey. So don't get caught up or weighed down. Keep your load light so you can keep journeying. Remember, you're camping. Nothing here lasts forever. Things are temporary. All your circumstances, they're only tents on your journey to the place where things do last forever. There in the promised land, you'll settle down in dwelling places that will never pass away. And there you'll remember this life as the days of your camping out. And you'll look back at all your circumstances of joy and sorrow, and you'll see them just as tents in which you spent the night. And you'll give thanks and say, how lovely were my dwelling places because God was there with me. Those days on earth, they were the days of my journeying when I camped out with God intense. Want more? Ask for Camping with God. Now, feeling like your walk with God could use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. A free subscription to Sapphire's warning. Use it as directed. It'll revolutionize your walk for victory. Mystery of the Temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Remember Jesus' Hebrew name and dial it Yeshua. That's it. Dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. Call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting ministries to beam the word of life around the earth by shortwave radio to every tribe and tongue and to Israel, the Jewish people who gave you the gospel. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1 Y-E-S-H-U-A-1 Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111 Lodi, New Jersey 07644 It's Box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey 07644 Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you my friend in Messiah HaDerech the Way. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our program, Truth to Ponder, for a Thursday. I want to thank all of you that do your part in keeping this radio program on the radio. I've noticed one thing of recent. This program as a podcast has been growing exponentially over the past roughly 45 to 60 days. We're getting an audience building up in Canada, the United Kingdom, uh, Australia, uh, even in Germany, 
in on the there's several countries in the continent of Africa. I'm very surprised the program is picking up steam as a podcast. Keep that as a matter of prayer. I need to do something to help grow it while that window of opportunity is there. I'm very careful to put this podcast as its primary source with a Christian group that is not dependent upon big tech, which means that there is a fee, not a very big one, but there is a fee. And I want to make sure that I can keep the program going as a podcast longer. If I rely on Apple or just Google or others, I could be gone in a heartbeat. But by putting it through a Christian podcasting site, it'll take longer for them to find me and knock me off. But shortwave is going to be very key in keeping this program alive. Now, let's get back to what we were talking about today. I, I think about this world, I, that song kept coming into my mind. And this was like Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. I'd forgotten all about Peggy Lee singing, Is That All There Is? If that's all there is. And, and the whole, the entire song is just how life for her was one great huge disappointment as she struggled to find happiness and contentment and never could. As a Christian, I get it. I truly understand this concept that you're never going to find full contentment and happiness on this earth. And, And I think of those that are getting on in years that do not know Jesus Christ, that know nothing about his word. As they get older, they begin to wonder, is that all there is? I mean, what's it going to be like to die? What's it going to be like when my time is up? The one thing that all of us know, by the time we are five or six or seven, we don't fully understand it, but as we get older, we increasingly do. What the Bible says, we are appointed one time to die. We're all going to die. My parents and grandparents are deceased. They are gone. I've had friends that are my age from high school that are now deceased from maybe a car accident, a disease. There is no guarantee of how much time we have with this life. And so many try to chase after things to have fulfillment. some hospice chaplaincy work back between 1998 and 2000, almost 2001. I was a volunteer chaplain, one of the busiest volunteers that they had. And I would visit with people that were true believers in Jesus Christ, and they were fully at peace. They, They had no worry about what was going to happen. They had a certain peace about them. Then you have those that have rejected all religion. And they are crying and worrying in fear. But their hearts are so hard. They are so convinced of their, there is no God. This all just happened. 
And then they wonder in their last days on this earth, what's the meaning of all of it? Why did I get up every day and work for a living? Why did I not enjoy life? And they have all kind of regrets. There's one that comes to mind. And, and I've mentioned this in some sermons that I preached over the years in churches. And this probably happened in maybe 1999. I get a phone call being asked to visit with a, a woman whose husband is dying. They have hospice care at home. And she wanted to see some kind of a priest or minister or whatever. didn't matter. She just needed to talk to somebody. And so I got the assignment. And that very day, I drove out to this neighborhood of really fine homes on the Gulf of Mexico, just south of Sarasota, north of Venice, Florida, out in that area. And I come into this very gated community that even had a physical guard there on duty. And I told him who I was and who I was with, and I was given directions how to find this home in this very private area right there on the Gulf of Mexico. And I pull up to this most beautiful home. It's enormous. It's got to be 3,500 square feet. And behind the house, they have this canal that takes them right out where they can park their boat and take their boat right out into the Gulf of Mexico. Beautiful home. Three-car garage. Everything. It's the kind of a home that most people would love to own but never will achieve. Just not going to happen for most people. So I ring the doorbell. I'm greeted by this woman in her 50s who asked me to come in and sit down. There are two others there that I see, probably her children, in their like late 20s, early 30s. And the woman explains to me that she is the one that asked to speak to a minister when she called hospice, that the husband would want nothing to do with any clergyman because he's an ultimate atheist. Though she herself was a believer. She was a Christian. And, and her concern was, she goes, I am not feeling this sense of loss and grief that my husband in the other room, other part of the house, is going to die very soon. And she wanted to know if there was something wrong. So we had a long little talk about her, what she's going through, and, and I learned something. They got married at a young age, and he was a very industrious kind of a guy. And he always was teasing in his 20s that he would retire well before he turned 60 and he would be wealthy. And he would do whatever it took to achieve that goal. Sadly, she was already a Christian and he was a non-believer, but she had that false hope that she could change him. 
didn't happen. They had two children. And basically, the man just worked and worked and worked for a living to save lots and lots of money. By the time he got into his mid to late 40s, he was barely ever at home. He traveled extensively for the company in which he worked for. He made a fortune. And during their married life, they had lived in a small house, lived like paupers. They, they, they barely spent any money on anything. It all went to savings, every bit of it. And he kept saying, I'm going to retire early. I'm going to retire well before I'm 60. And then we're going to enjoy life without a care in the world. They had two children. And as she explained to me, he was never much in the lives of his children. It was all about his goal to work 20 to 25 years and then retire at a young age. Go to Florida, play golf, have a boat, just have a great life till he was 80 or 90. They had a very cold relationship. But because of her her belief, she wouldn't simply divorce him, even though they were unequally yoked. She felt for the sake of the kids and the soon-coming grandchildren to keep it all together. They had just moved into this home in Florida. I think they had lived in Michigan or somewhere in that. I can't exactly remember, but they lived way up north. And they finally had started spending their vacation times looking for properties a few years before. They discovered this community, this place, and had a home built. And when he turned 55 years of age, he retired. He had put so much money aside between the stock market and investments and everything else. They were able to buy this home free and clear with plenty of money to live on for the rest of their life. They wouldn't even need their Social Security when it came by 10 or 12 years later. They had just moved there three months before. And he gets south. They get moved in. He's enjoying going to some restaurants and all the stuff that goes with living in southwest Florida. And realizing that come the summertime, they could even travel to visit their grandchildren and children up north at their leisure. Might even get a motorhome, you never know. And there, within 90 days of his arrival, he is now laying, dying in a bed. In the second month he was there, he started feeling ill, went to the doctor to find out he had pancreatic cancer. And now he's on the verge of breathing his last. And the widow-to-be is having a hard time feeling any emotion and loss. And I told her, She kept in contact with me for about a year or so after. I told her that in many ways, your husband left you 
20 some odd years ago. You were two ships passing in the night. You're the one that raised the kids. The husband had missed graduations and other important events in the children's life because he was so busy building for this new life. And all I could think of was that parable that Jesus talks about in Matthew 12, beginning at verse 16. And he spake unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man bought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room were to bestow my fruits. Verse 18, and he said, This I will do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many, many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? Then Jesus reminds us, So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God? Jesus reminds his disciples, Take no thought for your life, what you're going to eat, all the stuff, that the Gentiles want. Then he talks about how God knows every bit of his creation and provides for them. This is the problem with the church today. We no longer in the Episcopal Church, in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Methodist Church, many parts of the Presbyterian Church, Disciples of Christ, we've lost sight of the truth and the power of the gospel. It's become a social gospel. It's become celebrating sin. It's what Paul said to Timothy, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. We look holy. You know, we're like the Pharisees. They're like the Pharisees, all dressed up with a completely distorted view of what God commands. That's the state of too much of the church today. It's just a remnant. Look, there are a lot of people that, that are they're worried. They're saying, Bob, you know, what if, what if this, this vaccine passport is the portal to, to the mark of the beast? What are we going to do? You're going to trust God. Or you're not. It's not easy, and I don't have the power to do it. You don't have the power to do it. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be carried through. We have too many people looking at this life as this is all that there is. Is that all there is? And that's why they cling on to this life. They scream, get vaccinated or you're going to kill me. They want to put face diapers on children that are two years of age who should be allowed to breathe freely, be children and grow up, not in fear. We are destroying a generation of children because older atheists are afraid they're going to die. And that's all there is.
that want to continue to break out the booze and have a good time. They want people to to do all these things to make them feel better so they can go out again and party and try to find what's left of their life. That's not living, my friend. That's being dead already. Here's what I believe frightens a lot of Christians who do not thoroughly understand God's Word. They don't attend a Bible study. They don't read God's Word. They go on a little bit of faith that they got as a kid or some little thing that they believe. It's amazing when I talk to people who claim to be Christians what they actually believe, much of which is unscriptural. Now, we've talked about this on the program before. I'll come right out and say it. I do not believe in the rapture because it is a a teaching that came along late. And I've read everybody's proof why it's supposed to be, and they all come up short. If we are Christians, and if this is all supposedly true, why are we being told to prepare for such a time as the Great Tribulation? There'd be no need to talk about the ten virgins, the five foolish and the five wise. Those that were prepared, those that were not prepared. Because if the church gets a free get-out-of-tribulation card, which is what too many Western Christians are falsely believing, they don't recognize that the early church understood the concept of being martyred and giving their life for the faith. Most Christians today want nothing to do with that. They want to get out of tribulation free card. They don't want to prepare. They want to come to church. They want to worship. They want to pray whatever it suits them. Their life is not yielded. We are to be a living sacrifice unto God. To be found holy and spotless because we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. We don't go to church to celebrate our sin we go to church to reconcile ourselves unto God, a sinner covered in the blood of Jesus, begging for his forgiveness, knowing he will grant it if our heart is true and we really repent, which means to turn away from our sin. You don't go to church to brag about your sin and to rip apart the Bible and say it doesn't mean what it clearly says. We are coming into a time, I'm telling you, we're coming into a time when this word that resonates in my mind and has for the last three years, and it gets louder and louder, that we build Christian community. I'm not saying Christian compounds, hiding out in the woods, you know, wearing camouflage clothing. I'm saying that right in the open, by the grace of God, empowered by his Holy Spirit, sustained supernaturally, we won't worry about the B system. We will have our own. Well, how can that be? Because no man can buy or sell without this. That's right. In their system, in their system, I'm watching a video of a church 
I visited that church probably in 1996. Beautiful building. Wonderful stained glass windows. At that time, the average age of the congregation was in their 40s, 50s, and some in their 60s. Today, even before the pandemic, they just have a handful of people. They're not evangelizing. They're just simply marking time. That's not what the church is supposed to do. We're not simply to mark time. We are to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I do this radio show every day to give you news, to give you information, and then bring you to the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Period. I try to give you information that the lying and distorted mainstream news media, which are nothing more than propaganda arms for the globalists who are satanically inspired to put you into bondage. Anybody that yields their life to Satan will find themselves in total bondage and separated from the love of God. And for them, they will have their final disappointment as they die. What about you? How do you stand in your faith today? If the great tribulation started tomorrow morning, if by the middle of November, you had to have, like they do in France, a passport to get into a grocery store. Oh, I guess I'll take the vaccine. But when you find out the vaccine is not really doing what they claim it will do, here's the problem. If it really worked, why is Israel, the most vaccinated country in the world, having some of the biggest problems? But nobody wants to address that. I believe there is a spiritual blindness that is coming across those that are chasing after the beast system and looking at their lives as that's all there is. Let's keep on dancing. Let's break out the booze, and let's hope that when the world gets vaccinated, we go back to normal. It's not going to happen that way. Tomorrow, I'm going to share some stories about how God has taken care of his people in times of great tribulation and warfare. I think many of today's Christians in the West have no concept of what it means to be a persecuted Christian. That's why the woke churches adapt to the world to be accepted, but they're no longer accepted by God. If you believe in our work, would you consider supporting us financially? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We are in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. We'll pick this up with some good news tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.